boiling on this very wet lead up to Christmas. I have to say, I don't know what part of the country you happen to be living in at the moment, but I can tell you now, the rain is beating off the window here outside, and I can hear it actually, which is unusual to hear anything in this studio, but I can actually hear it outside. So God love you if you're out there shopping or doing something. Now, something we ought to get around to today, we talk about refugees quite a lot, and in fairness, we do, because it's an important topic. Unlike politicians who believe that we shouldn't be discussing it, we discuss it because it's important. And I guarantee you, you're going to see a U-turn from most of the politicians over the next five or six months when it comes to immigration. We're already hearing whispers of, oh, we should increase deportations. Remember, of course, these are the politicians who have, from what I can see, are being reckless when it comes to immigration. Already we're having people coming into the country now at this stage where we have nowhere for them to live. We're handing them money and a tent in the middle of winter with that rain outside. Firstly, that's inhumane to do that. And secondly, we're not doing all the checks and balances. That was admitted by Michal Martin over a year ago on the BBC when he said we don't have, we don't have the, the, the administration to do all the checks and balances on people coming in. Now, let's be clear. The vast majority of people coming into Ireland are safe people. They're not going to do any harm to anybody. But there are a small amount of people, and it only takes a small amount, to do an awful lot of damage, who would be people who would be here for nefarious reasons, or people who could be former criminals. And we've seen that in the past as well. But for the government to refuse to discuss that and suggest that anybody who even wants to talk about it is some sort of right-wing racist is just bizarre at this stage. But as I said, watch over the next six months. You're already seeing rumblings of it. You'll see political parties turning around, changing sides and saying... Oh, we need to increase deportations. Maybe you're all right there, yeah. Particularly Sinn Féin, who've been probably the worst opposition party in the history of the state. But what I want to discuss today is not people seeking international protection, because we know that's a problem. As of this week, 62 men who have been presented to seeking international protection and an office in Dublin have been offered, haven't been offered accommodation. They've been basically given a tent and money. Now, you know, of course, they've increased the money now from 38 to 113.80 per week. Now, there's a rumour going around online that people are getting 500 quid a week coming into Ireland. That's not true. It's five, it works out about 500 quid a month if you work it out at 113 a week. Um, this is from IPAS. Normally, they, as I said, they only get 38, their accommodation, their food and everything else. This is people seeking international protection. A community of the state is now providing accommodation for 100,000 people in this country. 100,000 people. But what I wanted to focus on was um, Ukrainian refugees. Because currently at the moment, in Ireland, we have almost 100,000 Ukrainian refugees. And out of that 100,000 Ukrainian refugees, 74,000 are still getting state support. In other words, they're still getting accommodation or they're getting money. Remember, 800 euro is paid per person for accommodation to anybody who wants to put them up, by the way. And they already, they get an 800 euro allowance. Now, there are a lot of people abusing and scamming the system, but there are no doubt there are genuine people as well. In many countries around Europe, the state does not provide accommodation and very little money. Ireland is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most generous country providing accommodation, 800 quid a week for accommodation if you can't, if the government don't provide it, welfare payments of up to 200 quid a week or over, medical card and other supports as well. And nobody wants to see a situation of poverty, but let's be clear, it's not means tested. Unlike anybody else who seeks, seeks state support, for example, if you or I were out of a job, and we look for state support, you're means tested. If you have savings, or if your wife has a job, or somebody you know has a job, or somebody living with you has a job, it's all taken into consideration on the payment that you get and the type of accommodation you might be offered. You also have to go on a housing list if you want accommodation, otherwise you're not going to get it. Like everybody else, you go on a housing list, depending on your priority, you could be on a housing list for 10 years. Ukrainian people are struggling, but many have savings in their banks, bank accounts, or have money, but the support we offer doesn't take that into consideration. And some have got jobs in the last 18 months, but quite clearly, 
most haven't. So most are not supporting themselves. Those who have got jobs are working probably in the hospitality industry. Quite a lot of them are working in hospitality at the moment. And in some countries, that state support is cut off after a period of time, whereby the support is limited. For example, in the United Kingdom, the way it works is you're Ukrainian. You're very welcome. Come here. We'll help you. We'll support you. We'll get you back on your feet again, depending on what part of Ukraine, although there are obviously other people who have opinions that not everywhere in the Ukraine is at war and why are they coming here in the first place? But that's another question. But here's the thing. In the UK, it's six months. So after six months, just like any other citizen, you're entitled to state support if you can't support yourself. But you go on the same system as everybody else. You either get a job or you have to go on state support whereby you're means tested like anybody else. But that's not the case in Ireland. As you know, this war here has been going on now for nearly two years. It's 18 months or so. And yet we have people who have been here from the very start who are not working, who are just living on state support. Now I can give you Loads of stories that I've heard from different individuals about people taking advantage of that system who were never even in the Ukraine. I know of one individual personally who is living in the United Kingdom for eight years, working in the United Kingdom. He is Ukrainian. He's been working for a tech company. He was renting at an apartment just outside London. And when the war broke out, he came to Ireland. The reason? Because he got his apartment for free in Ireland or he got an accommodation allowance of 800 euro. And he's still working remotely for the company that he works for in the UK. But nobody asks those questions because you just automatically get the state support. Some are clearly taking advantage of the system, but many are not. Many are genuine. But the, And we've seen the whole argument about them going home for Christmas like a turkey. I mean, it couldn't be that bad if you're going home on holidays for Christmas. Anyway, but should it be a case now of welcoming people who want to come here to work? But the hand of generosity must be limited because today... Uh, the Minister for our, the Department of Integration was given another 1.6 billion bailout because they overspent this year in 2023. That's not including the planned 4 billion that they will spend next year. That's all taxpayers' money in a country that's not that wealthy. We're doing okay, but we owe a lot of money. We're in massive debt. So the question I want to ask you is, should there be a limit to that support when we talk about Ukrainian refugees? Because that's always a little bit different, isn't it? Let me know what you think. The number, as usual is 085-122-55. That's 085-122-55. 085-122-55. If you want to get involved, just WhatsApp us. Uh, I want to go to John first, then I want to go to Paul if I can. Uh, let me see first we go to John. Um, oh, there you are. John, hi, how are you? Good afternoon, how are you, sir? I'm good, John. What do you want to say? Well, look, is there ever going to be an end to this? I mean... Is there any wonder I see Helen McEntee said no there that the Gardaí policed 800 protests now this year, right? No, she should be actually ashamed to say that because you must ask yourself the reason. Why are there 800 protests in the first place? And the majority of those protests have been all about the migration to this country, right? But, they, but the she looks at these protests as a negative thing. When I say a negative thing, in other words, people shouldn't be protesting. The suggestion by, and the way it's said, and the tone in which it's said is, you know, that yeah. it's a, that's a really bad negative thing that people are protesting. I think it's quite a positive thing that people are protesting. It should let the government know what people want, and the government should make decisions on, that on, on behalf of the people. Remember, of course, the dollar is chucked a dollar, which means they're there on behalf of the people. Yeah, well, you see, the, the way she phrased it, I mean, obviously, it, it looked that the finger was pointing at the protesters 
that they were in the wrong. All of them were in the wrong, like I mean. Mm. That the poor Gardi was stretched to the limit, and how does the poor Minister for Justice rise on non existent? You could say that get the resources are stretched over all these protests. Well, there would be no protest if the people, as you rightly said, that are elected from us, them, right, doing the second job that they're paid to do and that they can know what to do, but they're not doing it. And then they're wondering why people on the streets are when people in small communities get 400 people in uh, where there's only a population of 1,500 already that the people go out and protest. I mean, let's be honest. Like, they have no more... One ounce of emotional intelligence. There's, there's a thing called intelligence and emotional intelligence. And the emotional intelligence, she's lacking Martin, Veracker, Ryan, the whole of them. They just don't care. She stood up yesterday in the dial and said, how do we need more workers in here? So to, to me, the cat is out of the sack now. Okay, but most of your issue is with people seeking international protection because they seem to be the ones that are being put in, in many places, parts of rural Ireland. When we come to Ukrainian refugees, I think everybody would agree, provided somebody's coming from a war-torn country, they should be supported in whatever way we can. But there has to be a, limit, be, to the, a limit to that support. Well, there seems to be no limit well, to the support. There's not, like, I mean, and for a small country, we've taken in way too many. But you see, you had the, the lads in the suits above and down there and going around with their shiny suits uh, and they're strutting their stuff, like as Minister of Foreign Affairs and T-shirts and the whole lot. I mean, by the way, look at us, like, we're so generous and we're so powerful that, and we're a generous country. But they never ask the people, like, they don't understand their own back, like. I mean, as has been previously said by many callers of the show, Ukraine is a huge country, right? Look, but people know, have, the, the message has gone out there, right, get to Ireland now, like, I mean, and even if you know where near the war zone part of the Ukraine, like, get to Ireland anyway, because there's great crack over there, man. They'll give you everything and you don't have to walk or anything. It's right. madness, well, stay there a second because I want to go to celebrity chef Paul Travaux also joins us because Paul has been badly affected uh, by this. Paul, hi, how are you? Niall, how are you, sir? Good. I just noticed they spelled your name wrong on the screen, but you're who cares? Absolutely. <laughs> I've, been, I've been called and labelled a hell of a lot worse in the last few years. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's Travo T-R-A-Y, huh? Uh, anyway, Paul, I mean, look, your industry has been very badly affected, of course, because you're not having many people in hotels who are tourists. You're having people who are in, in accommodation rather than hotels. And you've uh, refugees from both Ukraine are seeking international protection. So it's, it's damaged rural Ireland. It's damaged tourism. It's damaged business in general for you. But getting back to the question I asked, you know, we have, we have an obligation on humanitarian grounds to support people if we possibly can. But does that support have a limit? Or should it have a limit? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, the simple answer is yes, of course. Uh, and, and what's happened over the last kind of, we say, 12 to 18 months and nearly two years is that if, if somebody shouts at a dog and tells him he's a duck, no matter how loud he shouts, that dog is not going to start quacking and flying off. So you can label me whatever you want. You can call me far right. You can call me fascist. You can call me racist. I'm not. My father's an immigrant. Half the team in our in our restaurant are immigrants. I've been an immigrant when I've traveled away and, and worked for summers when I was going through school and college and everything. So nobody has an apps. And, and I'm sick of it. And I know when I say I'm sick of it, there are so many people that are sick and tired of being labeled something that we're not. It's a genuine concern. And all we're saying is, is that, hang on a second, guys. You've allowed so many people into the country and we'll all give the shirts off our backs if somebody else needs it more than us. But we're not going to be absolutely ridiculed and being taken advantage of, which is what's happening here in the country. So we now have a situation, there's a great theorem in quantum physics known as Schrodinger's cat, where the answer could be yes and the answer could be no. Both are perfectly feasible to be correct. And the only way we know the answer is that 
if we take action. The government won't take action. So if I turn around and say, I know there's a fellow who's come in from London, I know there's a fellow who's come in from Spain, and the, go- the other person who disagrees with me goes, that's not true. Both answers are perfectly possible unless the government turn around and vet and check everything and mean test everybody who comes in. And when they do that, they can either shut me up and say, listen, you're talking absolute nonsense, or they can put their hand up and say, actually, we facilitated this to happen. Now, the logical person will think the reason why they're not taking action is because what we're saying is true, which shows a complete failed policy by this government who said, listen, lads, we're going to advertise this in eight different languages. We're going to put it up anywhere in the world, and you can walk into our country and say you're Ukrainian. We'll house you, we'll feed you, we'll give you X, Y, Z, and we will give you unlimited social welfare until the day you go home, which none of us know when this war is going to be over. Well, 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 most experts at this stage are predicting it's some sort of proxy war, so it could go on for years, right? Uh, Because let's be clear, it's not getting any worse. It's at a stalemate. You know, it's just hit for tat at the moment, and and it's only affecting part of the country. Everybody's aware of that, Um, because that's why people are able to go home on holidays, which is quite bizarre that people are fleeing war, but yet they're going back to a country that's allegedly very dangerous. Um, But getting back to, you know, what we should do, so is it a case like in the UK where we should say, come on in, we'll help you, we'll support you. Here's a hotel room. Here's 800 quid if you want to move into somebody's house or whatever it happens because that's the figure they give out, uh, as well as the weekly payments, as well as the medical card, as well as everything else they get. But after that point, if you don't find somewhere to live or find a job yourself, you're like a normal citizen. You have to go on social welfare. You have to go on the housing list. You have to do all everything that everybody else has to do. And give us back the medical card, by the way. A hundred percent. And there's actually... The sometimes you just can't argue with a point that somebody's made and you've just made it 100%. You cannot argue with that point because if you're genuine and you're fleeing war and you're fleeing persecution and you turn around and say, well, listen, I've got this. If you can't find something within six months to stand on your own two feet, well, then I give up. There's 100,000 jobs in hospitality alone that they're screaming out for. That's 100,000 people in hospitality alone. Add in but retail. The, but, add in but, look, but look at the figures, just Ukrainians alone, right? Nearly 100,000 people have come in. 74,000, I think it's 74, 76,000, are still on state supports and accommodation. I mean, yeah. that, that's incredible. And do, and do you know what's really frustrating about this? Is that, like... I don't want to, like, I know plenty of Ukrainians down here in Killarney. They're brilliant people. And I don't want to sound like I'm the person who's shouting because they happen to be Ukrainian that we're talking about, or they happen to be asylum seekers coming in from African countries. But what I have an issue with is with that people that are abusing our generosity. And let's not forget, you, me, and every single person listening right now is paying for this. So we have, whether the government like to admit it or not, we have a God-given right to find out if our money is going to the right place and to the right people. And if it's not, well, then what needs well, to be well, well, it's clearly, well, it's clearly not, because everybody can see that apart from the government. And every time we have the debate, and we, we can have 10,000 debates on the radio or on a podcast or whatever it is, the only place the debate is not being had is in the doll. We had an example yesterday where Manny McGrath decided to bring it up in the doll. He wanted to have a debate in the doll. The doll. Look at the abuse that they got for bring, even bringing Absolutely. it up. You had Paul Murray or you have um, Aon O'Reardon or whoever it happens to be, you know, the usual lefties basically saying you cannot have this debate because you must be some sort of right-wing nut if you're having this debate. When they fear you, they label you. When they are scared of you, they attack you. And when they fail you, they blame you. And that's exactly what's happened over the last 18 months. You come out and you say something racist, fascist, far right, because they turn around and go, oh, geez, he's saying something that, you know, we know he's true. There's a reason why this isn't happening in the doll. 
because they will open up their own holes if they bring this up in the door because they'll turn around and go, this is our policy. Every, we're bringing a vote of no confidence against Ellen McAtee. Every single one of them will have a vote of no confidence against them. Because but, I mean, that, that was a, that, but that vote the other night was a classic example of jobs for the boys or the girls as the case may be. In other words, let's protect our own. It's quite clear she's doing a bad job, but yet every government minister in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael protected her, right? Sinn Féin obviously had a go at her. Mind you, Sinn Féin now could be guilty of playing to the gallery. And we're now already going to see that. I guarantee in the next few months you're going to see Sinn Féin because they know they're losing votes. They know that the working class people on their minds at the moment is immigration. Sinn Féin went the wrong direction on this. And you'll watch them now over the next few months backtracking and saying, oh, let's increase deportations. I guarantee you'll see that happening. I thought, I thought in the next six to nine months, I thought the government would try and bring down Sinn Féin. I actually think Sinn Féin spectacularly brought themselves down in the last kind of couple of weeks as to how they've acted. They've just, they've got it so wrong. But our government have got it so wrong. Ellen McAtee is now saying we're going to charter planes to deport people. Of course Because of course they're going to say it now because they know there's an election coming soon. But the horse is bolted. And there's still, again, exactly. today, another 47 or whatever it was, people come in seeking international protection. I pass. We're handed a tent at 137 quid a week or whatever it is, 500 and something a month. I mean, this, this just squandering money. It's just reckless at this stage. That, as I said, you, I, and every listener are paying for it. And that's the frustration, because if you think things are bad now, we are going to, we are officially in a recession because Big Pharma is now down, which means we have been unofficially in a recession because everyone else has been down for the last nine months. It's affecting everybody's pockets. It's affecting everybody right now. And that's where the frustration well, well, is. Well, it's not affecting Jenny, politicians' pockets. They're on their six-figure sums. They don't give a shit. Well, do you know what, though? Do you know what, though, Niall? It is because they can say what they want. They can, like, Adon or Reardon is telling us we're going to, if we don't, if you don't stop eating meat and if you don't stop driving into town, Ireland is going to be underwater in 30 years. Oh, the, yeah, Eamon the Ryan, you mean? Eamon, Eamon Ryan, yeah. No, no, this is... This oh, Eamon Ryan Reardon as well. Oh, that's right, yeah. He, said, you, he yeah. said the days of going out and getting in your car and going, you know, going to the shop are gone, is what he said. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't listen to Eamon Ryan anymore because he talks to the birds. I just, I can't understand this man. So I, I've given up on him, even though I've tried. I even said, I tweeted him today, and I said, I will gladly pay you double whatever they are paying you if you just shut up. You've gone from a national embarrassment to an international embarrassment. Please stop. Somebody remove this man from his position, or else just let him sleep. Don't wake him up. Just let him sleep. It's gone beyond frustration out this day. But when you have politicians that are continuously labeling, calling people every name under the sun. And I'm looking at me and I'm going, but I get up seven mornings in the week. I go to work. I work 12, 14 hours a day. I'm not far right. I'm not racist. I'm none of these things. So do you know what, actually, now that you're attacking me, I'm going to attack you back. And that's what the government are seeing. And that's why you're seeing more and more politicians now turn around and say, we have a serious problem with immigration. 12 months ago, none of them had an ounce of balls to come out and say this. But now they know that people are sick and tired of having the advantage and having our generosity abused right now. And, and we're done. So John, we're John is clapping way. his hands there, by the way, at everything you're saying. I just, uh, I just know he is. Well, thank, thank you very I'm, much. I'm, I'm <laughs> but all, all I'm saying is I'm just saying what everybody is thinking. And now that's why the government have an issue, because you can't shut me down, because the government must remember one simple thing. I don't remember ever voting somebody to go in and lecture me and dictate me as to how they were going to, how I was going to run my life. Because I was listening to politicians who were promising X, Y, and Z. They get into power and they all of a sudden turn on you straight away. They think they have the strength. The strength lies in every single person in this country who has what no one has, simply a vote. And they can try and threaten us and they can try and say whatever. And people are saying, but what is our alternative? We don't need an alternative. We need one objective, and that's to get 
all of these people out of power so that they act on the behalf of the people of this country. So if you have to vote nobody but independents, and if we have to keep going and keep going and keep going until every one of these guys that are lecturing us, dictating us and telling us what to do for the last two, three, four, five years, if we keep going until they all get out, that's what, we'll have, that's what we need to achieve in this country. We will eventually find there are really good politicians out there. They're controlled by the whips. They're controlled by their party leader. We will get rid of all these people and we will get the people that the country deserve running the show. That's what we need. Uh, Paul, well said. Listen, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air and talking to us today. Let me just go to Maliki Stevenson, because I want, uh, the reason I wanted to go to Maliki was to clarify, there's a lot of myths around what payments are given to people, and Maliki would have a much clearer view of that. And Maliki, I want to focus, if I can, on Ukrainians, because for some reason, we think of that as being different, because they come from a war-torn country, and I accept that many people have come from war. But there's, there has to be a limit to what we can do. Like the UK, after six months, you're kind of on your own. Out of 100,000 people, 74,000 are still getting state-funded accommodation and supports. Is that acceptable? Well, unfortunately, um, I, I thought the war in Ukraine was over the way it has dropped out of the news. Um, now that you would imagine, yeah, I'm, sure, um, I'm sure Zelensky's not happy. Well, he's not happy and he's still begging for more money and he's complaining, actually, that nobody's taking any notice. Yeah. But the, the status that's given to uh, those coming from Ukraine is that they're automatically refugees. So therefore, in theory, they're entitled to everything that an Irish citizen is entitled which includes welfare, which is 220 euro, or I think, uh, or 180, whatever the figure is. Two tw- I think it's 224, um, yeah. The, yeah, plus the dependent um, adult allowance, plus an allowance for each of their children. They're also then entitled to the children's allowance. They're also entitled to, um, well, they're given free accommodation, and they were given free food up to recently, and now they have to pay a tenner a day, I think, for food. I think the accommodation allowance is 800 quid a month. Yeah. Well, that, the, the 800 euro is to, for instance, to you if you... you if you take one in, yes. ...in your house. So, yeah. so you get that. Like many TDs are doing, which they fail to disclose. So they're, well, at the same time, they're complaining that uh, other people are milking the system. But the one difference, Niall, is if you're on welfare, and this is where it's not the same as uh, Indigenous people, if you want welfare, your means tested. Yeah. So if your there husband no or your wife is, if your husband and wife is working, or you have a load of money in the bank, uh, your means tested. Take my wife. My wife's seventy-one. She only got a doctor-only medical card a couple of weeks ago. She has no medical card because they believe that I earn this fast sum of money, which I don't. Um, but well, you're all right, Malik. And she doesn't get the. She doesn't get the. Oh, yeah, I'm all right. Um, so I just have to. Following on from what our rear down was saying about us being underwater, I just must get the boat, the engine fixed in my yacht. <laughs> okay. okay, so as well as welfare, as well as accommodation, as well as children's allowance, as well as an automatic medical card, which most people in this country don't get, um, as well as all of those things, you would imagine there would be some sort of time limit on that, whereby we know this war seems to be endless, that it has to be a case of, look, at some point you have to be treated like everybody else. Well, well, the, the legislation does say, I think it's six months, but that can be extended. And it seems but to it's not happening. It doesn't everyone. seem to be happening. No. no. Um, but it is happening in the UK. You see, and there's no requirement for a refugee. There's just a perception that somebody who's fleeing war and all of that um, has to be poor. And I found, I mean, I worked for the Refugee Council many, many years ago on a, a CE scheme in the early, late 90s 
on all of the people that came in at that time, with the exception of two families that I dealt with, I didn't believe one of them was an asylum seeker. They were welfare migrants. So this is going on for 20 years. But if you have something to leave, and you're running for something, and you're prepared to leave a good job and a good house and all of that, then there's a greater chance that you are a political opponent of the government and are at some uh, risk. I think, the, I think they're coming to get you, Maliki. I'm going to have to lower you down there because the, the noise in the background, unfortunately, is very, very loud, Maliki. Maybe we'll try and get you back again before the end of the show. I do appreciate you coming on anyway. Uh, just for a point of clarification. Let me just go to Morris. Morris, hi, how are you? Going to go to Breed in a second, too. Morris, hi. Niall, how are you doing? Niall, all right, yeah. I yeah. think that case you mentioned was absolutely horrific. The guy coming from a walking background in Ukrainian in London. Yeah, he was living, I, I know I, I, I know somebody who personally knows him. He's He was living yeah. in London for seven years. He works for a company in Sheffield, but he actually lives just outside London. He's working remotely. So he works in tech, in the tech industry. And all the benefits. Oh, when the, war, when the war started, he came to Ireland. And the reason he came to Ireland, because his accommodation was paid for. But you know what I'd do for him? I'd find out what age group he was in. I'd report him to the Irish authorities. I'd hand him over to the Ukrainians. I'd give him a gun, a helmet, and a rifle, and a vest. And I'd put him on the front line. That's what I do with him. <laughs> no, no, I, by the way, I, I don't want to suggest. Oh, absolutely! I don't want to suggest to his country. I don't want to suggest that all Ukrainians are doing that. They're not, but there are. No, no, no. But there are many stories of people abusing us. Yeah, there are people that and are this abusing. Is, us. This is what gets the rest of them a bad name. One individual that says, "I can outsmart the system." For my benefit. But a lot, but a lot of people are outsmarting the system, Morris. I'm not saying all, but, but a lot of people are. He probably has that apartment in London rented out and is getting the money off that as well. Possibly. I don't know about that. You know? Possibly. But I think at the end of the day, I'm a believer of, I give people a hand up. I'm not a person that gives somebody a handout. Because the more you hand out, the lazier they get. I'm always saying, well, put something into the pot if I can get something back. So we need to have a good look at ourselves. And stop looking to Europe and saying, oh, look how good we are for a little peasant island. We can take in everybody and give them everything. Because they're coming here and they're laughing all the way to the bank. At whose expense? Somebody like me has held down a job for 42 years. And I'm blessed to have the health that I do it. And I provide for my family. And I go home with a smile on my face. And I owe nobody nothing. There's nobody look coming to my door looking for money. And then I see my taxpayers' money being wasted on people like that individual who you know about, I definitely report him to the authorities as far as I could go. He is actually robbing a nation for self-greed while other people suffer and die in his country. Morris, and the I, I, I think, I think well, okay, well, I think there's always a different view of people seeking international yeah. protection or asylum seekers and Ukrainian people. So we always believe yeah. that Ukrainian are more genuine, right? And, and that's just a yeah. perception, right? Or we should be helping okay. them more. And, and I don't disagree with that. We should be helping as many people as we can, although I believe but the number... But the yeah. number, Yeah, but the numbers, I think I agree with the Healy Rays, for example, when the, last year when they said the number should have been capped to 20 or 40,000. That, that was a exactly. given. That should have happened. But the government are reckless and continue to do what they're doing at the moment, right? Yeah. Okay. And it's out of control. Oh, com it's completely out of control now. Yeah. But, 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 but here's the thing. You're not allowed to yeah. even have the conversation. You're having it because you're having it with me now in the air. But this exactly. conversation is happening nowhere in the doll because as soon as it happens in the doll, you're called right wing. Now, getting back to you, Ukrainian people, and most of them are genuine yeah. people, but you've got 100,000 people who have come into the country from Ukraine. According to the stats, over 74,000 of them are still in state-supported accommodation or getting state yeah. support. There has to be a point where you say to people, you're on your own, just like everybody else. Exactly. Yeah, and the example we have where the government are failing the people of Ireland is we have 14,000 houseless people in this country. I won't call them homeless anymore. Do you Fort, know I think it's 14,000 now. No. 
Yeah. 14, yeah? Because when you get a house, you make it into a home. They haven't got a home. They'll never have a home because they're houseless. And they're our own people. Shit living in a hotel room. It's nothing. We need to look after our own. I'm not going to put them before anybody else. I'll always help the downtrodden and the person that's struggling. But don't come and tell me, the government, it's raining now and they're actually pissing on me back and the rest of the working class Mm -hmm. people in this country. You know, people need to get out and vote and march with their feet. I'll give anybody who is genuinely struggling a help because that's the way it's rare. Do you do you think politicians accept? Do you think politicians, Morris, accept yeah. that immigration is one of the key issues for the next election? Do you think they accept that? Because I believe a lot of politicians are delusional. Exactly. Yeah, I think that they're, they're trying to be the big boys of Europe, and they're only a little island with a, a generation of fucking leprechauns on it, and the rest of Europe is laughing at us. That's what they're doing. Them gobshites over in Ireland. Look at them giving everybody double everything. We're a bunch of idiots. And people are look. And you know what's killing us in this country? Social media. Because I told you, I work with Polish guys, and their country is destroyed with drunken Ukrainians. They're not all bad, but they're getting the messages: get to Ireland, you get double the pay. Do you know what the average in weeks, pay, months' pay is in Ukraine? Two hundred and fifty euro. They're getting seven hundred a week here. No, they wouldn't be. Well, but if you well, if you want to include food, accommodation, and everything else, it's quite yeah. it's quite substantial. And, and yes. Hacked. And hacked, yeah. yeah. No, they get, yeah, they get, a, they get an eight hundred euro allowance if they're staying in somebody's house, for example, or that, that's the allowance that's given to yeah. them. Or they get an accommodation or a hotel room, or depending on where they happen to be living. And they and also, a, a, they also get a medical card, which is more money and money. They get yeah. two hundred twenty euro. I know a ninety-four-year-old man who opened up his house to a, a refugee Ukrainian woman and her daughter. What a guy! Ninety-four years of age, and he's still putting out the hand to help. Yeah. And these other gobshites in the country saying, oh, come to Ireland, you'll have everything you want in four months. They're the ones we need to get out of government. But like I said to you, Niall, the three-headed snake stole the election. Their job is stay in power for five years, get out the door with your pension, and you're laughing all the way to the bank till you die. That's ha- what they're using us for. All right, Morris, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Always a good man. Um, Breda, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, how are you? I'm good, Breda. What would you like to say? Well, I think, yeah, there should be a cap on, on whatever they're being given when they come into this country. I mean, there's plenty of jobs out there. There's loads of people looking for staff in different varieties of things. So the stipulation is you get a handout for three months or so. And then after that, out you go and sort yourself out. You know, like the, the Irish don't get that kind of money. You know, I mean, we need to look after our own first. I'm all for giving a help, as that man said, I'm all for giving a helping hand, but... Charity begins at home. Are, pe- are, are people place. taking the piss out of us now at this stage? A hundred percent. I mean, you saw what they said in, in, in was it the Israeli said, go to Ireland, to the Gazian people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if that's not if someone saying, gobshites, go on, everyone head over there, they'll give you whatever you want. I mean, we have to, we have I, to. I did, I did hear a politician, I don't know which one of them it was the other day, suggesting that we should now start taking in or have a, an exemption and waiver for people from Gaza to come to Ireland as refugees. No, and no, I go, no. lads, Jesus Christ! I mean, there's a, no. there's an absolute limit to what we can do. Like you know, like you're putting a strain on on all the resources that we have in this country. And I'm sorry for that, but a lot of people from Ukraine are on the western side of the country, which hasn't been damaged around. No, well, well, I mean, but that's how they're going home on holidays. I mean, I've never heard a situation where refugees go home to a war-torn country on holidays. And you have to be back by the 5th of January. 8th, the 8th I mean, now. The 8th of January. Oh, it'll be, oh 
Yeah, they can go for they're allowed to go for two and a half weeks or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I mean, like and yet if you're an Irish person on social welfare here, you have to inform them beforehand. Oh, you're only allowed to go yeah, you're you're allowed two weeks holidays a year and you must inform them beforehand, yeah. Oh, you lose your payment. Yeah, you lose your payment. Like, like, I mean, I just—it's—it's like a two-tier situation, and the Irish are on the bottom tier, and all the the refugees are on the top tier. I mean, I'm sorry for anybody that's in a situation. The people that are genuinely from the east side of Ukraine that are in their houses are gone. Everything they had is gone. Absolutely. But 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 here here is my thinking on this whole thing, right? And I'm, I'm not an expert in history and the historical aspect of the whole war between Russia and Ukraine. And that has been going on for years, essentially. Um, I know the invasion obviously happened only 18 months ago, but there has obviously been trouble oh, uh, between the two over the last God knows how many years. But here's yeah. the thing. You know, the amount of money that's being pumped in from Europe and America into Ukraine, you would imagine that the Ukrainian president and government could have provided accommodation on the western side of Ukraine, which has hardly been affected at all. Similar to Absolutely. Ireland and Northern Ireland back in the troubles in the 70s, Dublin and Cork were hardly affected by what happened in Belfast, right? So, I mean, you can imagine they would have pumped in a vast amount of money into accommodating their own people. But they didn't. But so why would they when you're giving them seven, eight hundred euros a week? I don't even earn that in a week. But well, I, I want to clarify. People are saying seven, eight hundred. They get two twenty on the dole. They get an allowance of up to eight hundred for if they're staying in somebody's house or or for an accommodation, and they get a medical card, which is worth a few quid, of course. They get children's allowance. Um, they get um, well, they were getting the food for free, but now I think they have to pay ten euro a day or something like that, which oh, is nutty. Wow. Ten euros a day, uh, and now that's for breakfast, dinner, and lunch. Our breakfast, lunch, dinner. Wow. Yeah. Uh, can I sign up? I did. I did hear. I did hear one Ukrainian woman on the radio in Cork recently giving out about the food quality, saying that there wasn't enough choices. Oh, oh In the hotel, in the ho- in the four star, or five star hotel she was staying in, there wasn't don't, enough choices. Don't get me started. Oh, I can only I can only tell you what what people on the show were were saying about her. I can imagine. <laughs> Ungrateful can imagine. was the word that was used most of the time. Um, there are a lot of people in this country who would be quite happy to pay ten euro a day to be fed for the week. Um, I will, I, I'll sign up as I said now. You know. Yeah, it's five no, ten euro for adults, five euro for children uh, for food no, for the day. No, I have to go. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry no problem. Thank you very much indeed for taking our call today. I appreciate it. Let me go to Carl. Carl, hi. How are you? How are you, Niall? How are you? Good to talk Good. to you, Carl. Good. Yeah, listen. Well, you've already said one of my points that I was going to bring up was the money that America has given to Ukraine. Where the hell is it all gone to? It's over 500 billion now. Yeah, they're looking for more, Where by the, the way. They're looking for more. And, and look, Ukraine is the most corrupt country in Europe. Uh, but you know, I, I find this is, Carl, you're 100% correct. Before this war started, there wasn't a president or a prime minister in Europe that had a good thing to say about Zelensky. I mean, let's be clear, Zelensky was listed in the Panama Papers. So there wasn't, and you know, and there was a lot of corruption there. They hadn't a good thing to say about him. Now all of a sudden he's a hero. No, he's an asshole. Excuse the language, but he's an absolute asshole. I have no time. He's not happy at the moment. He's like a child in the corner of the room, jumping up and down looking for attention because all the attention is gone. What if, I've, I've, I'm only back from um, look, Panama and Central America down there. Mm. And look, even the prisoners over in Costa Rica have to walk, otherwise they won't get fed. That's the law of the land. Mm. Everybody, everybody has to walk to get fed. 
You know, so these Ukrainians coming over here and putting their fucking hand out, excuse the language, to be housed, get fed, give me, give me a medical card, look after our children, bloody, bloody, blah, and they want to go home on holidays for Christmas as well. An absolute disgrace. Look, I don't, I don't mind looking after people. If people are coming here, give them a bit of a handout, help them to get on their feet. That's grand. I get it on that, right? But there has to be a limit to the help that we can provide. There has to be. It just seems where, endless. You know, where do they learn a lot from? I mean, because the Irish are no angels in our own Oh, country. no, of course not. But there's nothing we can do about the Irish. We can't choke them out. <laughs> well, they, they abuse the, the system absolutely. as well as the UK. Oh, look, there's 5% you know? of the Irish population out there who have never worked in their lives, have no intention of working oh. either. You and know I know I mean? a few of them. Yeah, I know a few of them. I, I, I know a few of them, you yeah. know. And it's like, they're cribbing now because, oh, we're losing some, some of our benefits because the Ukrainians are in. Like, what benefits are you losing? Tell me exactly what they're losing. They're losing. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Truth be known, you know. I mean, and look, they're getting, they're getting a double week payment this week, their Christmas bonus, the children's welfare bonus and all. I mean, the Irish are on a... On, they're on the gravy train, really. They're making a fortune out of the social welfare system. So other people, other immigrants coming in saying, well, they're getting it. We're entitled to it as well. It's a social welfare, a social welfare state. So what do we I mean, do? So what do we do? When you've got a situation where probably nearly 150,000 people now, the station in the last 18 months have come into the country, right? We've now got a situation today, um, and there is in the news today, that 50-something people yesterday were seeking international protection were handed a tent and 137 euro uh, a week. Um, we have nowhere to put Ukrainian people when they come to Ireland. Those that are there are still in accommodation. And so, well, 74,000 of the 100,000 that come in are still in a state accommodation and state supports. It's just, and we've just given another 1.6 billion to the Department of Integration because they overspent. And this is not including the 4 billion we've promised for next year in the budget. So it's just like, it's just like a money burning machine. That, that's exactly what it is. And we are, and we're, lo- we're losing money hand over fist in this country. And the government just seems to think there's no end to the borrow. We borrow left, right, and centre. They're not looking down the road, you know. And all this money that they put away for a rainy day fund, it's gone. Mm. It's good. There's, a, there's a crash coming to this country, and it's going to hit a lot of people very hard. And whatever we had in 2006 or 2007, it's nothing compared to what's coming down the road. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, we, no. we are in for a shit, a shit show. I agree, Carl. Thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Let me go to Angela as well. Angela, hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Now, Angela, I want to be fair. The vast majority of people who came from Ukraine to Ireland genuinely needed support. Some of them are chancers, but a lot of them genuinely needed support. But there has to be a limit to the support that we give. At some point, you have to say, like everybody else, you're on your own. Give us, give us back the medical card, because most people don't get a medical card. You just happened to get it when you came here. We want it back again, and you got to go out and get a job. Yeah. Oh, come here. If you're staying. Niall, I am sick to my teeth of it now at this stage. Absolutely sick to my teeth. And a lot of the people who came from the Ukraine at that time were the people who could afford it. Mm-hmm. Right. These were ones who got fly to everything. And it's the, the, the poor who actually need the help were the ones left over there. You know, and if you look at it, they're driving around in their big Jeeps and their Porsches in their brand new cars. Not all of them. In, not all of them. 
Not not all of them. No. But a bloody lot of them. I've seen quite a number of nice cars, yes, with Ukrainian reg plates on them going around. Yeah. And and because, here's the problem. And, and and look, I don't deny anybody having a car, right? But here here's the problem. If you're getting state support in this country as an Irish citizen, you're means tested. So if you want a medical card, you're means yeah. tested. If you want a social welfare payment, you're means tested based on who's living you, how much you've got in the bank, all that. But if you're Ukrainian and you're wealthy, you're still getting the same as everybody you walk else. In, you get it. Yeah. You walk in and you get it. You get everything handed to you. And it's not fair. Like we all know that going back um, over the past few years, there are people who have had kids with disabilities, with Down syndrome, and they've had to fight tooth and nail to get the medical card back. They had it, and it was taken off of them. Mm. And, like, as I said, I know the manager of, I know very well the manager of a hotel where they are holding Ukrainians, and they're sick of them. Absolutely sick of them. Now, when you say because when you say they're sick are, of them, I mean I'm assuming most most of them are good people. They but just, are entitled, so and so. Well, I I did hear, as I said, mentioned. I heard that one girl who was staying in a hotel in Cork, uh, and she was on the radio, um, giving out about the menu. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's happening every day. For and a tenner a day, and they're good before. meals for a tenner a day and fiver for kids. She was giving out about the menu. Yeah. And I told you about a couple from a certain hotel, and this isn't he said, she said, this is coming from the manager, that um, a couple were in their holiday home in Spain for Christmas last year. Mm. Their holiday home in Spain. And they go over and back. It's apt, it's disgusting. And it's, it's, like, as we said, it's the knock-on effect as well. It's the schools, it's the shops, it's the hospitals, it's the doctors. Nobody can get an appointment now. I, I know that up until just after COVID, right, my local doctor, um, not after COVID, but, you know, when everything was lifted, my local doctor, I could go up there any time at any day, on any day. He never had appointments, Right. And then he had to have appointments because the queues were out the door. And if I rang him now today and looked for an appointment, I won't get one until next week. Well, well, that's yeah. When you when you increase the population by one hundred and fifty thousand people in a short space of time, of course, it's going to put a massive pressure on the amount of resources. We were already short of doctors, yeah. and trying to get an appointment was difficult yeah. enough. So, so what's the answer? I don't know. Everybody I mean, say everybody. And when I do these shows, everybody tells me what's wrong. Now, the politicians yeah. won't talk about it. We talk about it. Everybody else is talking about it. The only yeah. people that are not talking about it are politicians because as soon as you mention it, you're a right-wing racist or something. But here's... Yeah. And I because, don't care what they label me. Um, but in, because I know I'm not a racist, by the way. I consider myself conservative and slightly to the right, but I'm certainly not a racist. And I'm certainly not an extreme right-winger. I'm just a logical person who believes our government are being reckless with immigration policy and Irish people's money. Yes. Because one other thing that I have to throw in as well is when it's Ukrainians and their kids are getting taxis from the hotel to the school and the school back twice a day, being funded by the, by the government. You know, I mean, 
the local Okay, so don't, so don't would would you okay, so, would you be okay what, what I'm saying? Cut them off. Cut them off. off after 6 months. Okay, well no, you, well you you can't just cut people off because if you I do that people are the cut street. them off. What I'm saying is you need to apply like just like anybody else. else has applied. Yes, okay. And especially if you are and I'm sorry, <clears throat> if you're in one of those beautiful modular homes, you're out of it. And you go into the hotels like all the Irish have done as well. And my biggest thing is, if you are refused asylum in this country, you're gone. There is no appeal in it. There is no walking out of the court. You are given a plane ticket with the money that you've been getting every week. You are given a plane ticket and you're out of the country. There's a court in Dublin. Um, I think it's Court 32. I'm not too sure which one it is. But I know barristers and solicitors are making a fortune out of asylum seekers who are using free legal aid, obviously, to take appeals to the uh, yeah. circuit court. And then if they'd fail that, to the high court. So there is thousands, I mean, sorry, millions in taxpayers' money going millions. on free legal aid. Yeah. Um, and you are right. I believe the appeal system has to be abandoned. I, at this point, we're in a crisis situation when it comes to accommodation. If people come to Ireland and their um, asylum application has failed, they should be deported. And and when I say deported, deported by whatever country they came from. So if they came from England and they happen to be African or they happen to be Algerian or they happen to be uh, Albanian or Georgian, um, they should just be sent back to England or whatever country they happen to come from because they were the ones responsible for them, not us. Set them all back. I was in the States last week for a couple of weeks. I cannot get into the States unless I have my passport. And a visa waiver. It's the same with Australia. Yeah. All you have to do is and a visa waiver. All you have to do is look at those border patrols. We all love them, watching them. And the thing is, will they get in? Won't they get in? No, you don't get in. You're sent down to the centre and you are on the next plane home. Well, it's the same when you go to immigration in Dublin Airport. And thankfully, we're very lucky here in Ireland that we have immigration for America in Dublin Airport. Most countries, you have to wait till you get to America. But if you, those officers that are in, uh, from Homeland Security who are in Dublin Airport, if you even look at them sideways, you're not getting hot. You're not getting, oh, on, the, yeah. you're not getting on the plane. <laughs> My mum actually got pulled in. We went over five years ago. The, the family went over. And my mum got pulled in. Jesus, we still laugh at it. Because she had, she stupidly told them that she had a sandwich in her bag. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. She had a ham sandwich in her bag. Okay, so we'll stay, we'll stay there for a second, and Just let me go to Sarah if I can. Sarah, hi, how are you? Yeah. Sarah? Oh, oh, there she is. Sarah, are you there? I'm here, yeah. How are you, Sarah? I'm here, yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just think that, um, like, the caller, like, I, I really do think that Paul Trevaux was excellent on the show today and agreed with every single point he was making. Um, and it's it's just, the, the country has to completely cut off everybody at six months. And like the lady was saying there, the deportation has to change as well. The rules around deportation, like this self-deportation has to completely stop. We are seen as a complete soft touch around the world now. And everyone knows us, including these people who are, you know, rallying people around saying, oh, get to Ireland using social media platforms to basically groups of people telling them how to get into the country and how to stay here and how to completely extort the Irish uh, people's taxpayers' money to set up their life here and to, you know, better themselves. 
But, so, but here's the thing. I'm not blaming them. And you're right, they are doing that. It's all very organised at this stage, right? Come into Belfast, you know, drive down from Belfast. You can come in from through the UK, drive down from Belfast, all that kind of stuff. Most of them are not coming through the airport or to the ports. But here's the thing. Who do you blame for that? I don't blame them. The government policies are to blame. I don't blame them either. The government policies... Listen, no. I'm married to an immigrant, okay? We have kids, yeah? I'm. They can call me right-wing racist all they want. It's not going to work. And the majority of people are the same now at this stage in Ireland. They're, you know, they're sick of it. They don't care about the label anymore because it's gone over and beyond ridiculously insane what's happening. And why Even do you, why do you think, Sarah, the government are ignoring you, Angela? I'm going to speak to Noeline in a second. I'm going to speak to, I speak to Paul Travaux. I spoke to everybody today. Why do you think the government are ignoring you all? They're not even having the conversation in the debate. As soon as somebody tries to raise the conversation, they're called right-wing and told to shut up. Why is it it's happening everywhere apart from where it should be happening, which is in government buildings? Well, there's a couple of reasons that I think. Number one, they're, they're taking orders from Brussels, I think. Um, the second reason is maybe because there's so much money involved that they're, they're, you know, they're scraping the cream off the top somewhere along the line. And then the third reason is maybe they're wanting to keep populations divided, um, really, really divided over stuff like this so that we're all pointing and arguing and fighting amongst ourselves instead of actually coming together and getting the government and the government policies out and changed. So, like, there's a number of different reasons to answer your question, but, you know, it is divide and conquer at the end of the day, and and it's working. And you asked, you said there earlier on, um, what's the answer? Everybody is giving out and everybody's on the same page, giving out about this and, you know, not agreeing, agreeing with the policies and all that. What's the answer is, it's for the likes of these people who are given out that have the wherewithal and the ability to run for election. Mm-hmm. Um, and the likes of Paul Trevo would be an absolutely brilliant candidate for election. Make the, make parties come together, you know. Or if you can't do that, at least vote for, like you were saying earlier on, independents and and the uh, the ones that are standing up in government against. Because the there's policies. no point in voting for any of the political parties in this country because they're no. all the same. Well, no, yes, when I say exactly. I don't mean ain't to in the Irish Freedom Party and. Um, some of the newer parties are independent Ireland and a couple of those but what I'm talking about is when you're talking about the main the main parties um, look yeah, the Labour Party are, the Labour Party are, yeah they're irrelevant to the Labour Party yeah. Sinn Féin are the worst opposition party in, there, in Irish history uh, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin are all singing from the same hymn sheet and sure look the Greens are irrelevant the Greens, Labour, none of them. None of the traditional parties should be voted for this time around. Absolutely none of them. Unless people in this country are absolute gobshites, they need to really wake up and start getting involved in politics, whether they like it or not. Um, but this immigration issue has gotten a lot of people riled up. Um, and it's not because we're racist, far right, or whatever they like to label. It's because it, they, people can see the effects of it on the ground. And like that caller was saying, you know, we can't get appointments. There's a housing crisis. You know, I'm not going to repeat all. People know what the reasons are and they can see it on the ground. And that is why this shift is occurring. You and know, do, you, do you feel any differently, sorry, Nolan, I'll be with you on a second. Do you feel any differently, Sarah, when we talk about Ukrainian refugees versus those seeking international protection? Do you believe that there no, should be a cut-off point for support? Yes, there should be a cut-off point, 100%. And, you know, if, if um, after six months they're able to get on their feet like every other Irish person has to and be means-tested, um, like that, that means-test is a huge thing. 
Yeah. You know, there are carers in this country who are being um, cut off from their carers' pay- payment for their children because they have to explain every transaction that happens on, on their statements now. They're being questioned about revolution transactions of fifty euro or less to get to keep their carers allowance and, and it, it's it's getting worse. Mm. And these people are swanning in, taking all of this social welfare from the taxpayer and there's no cut off for them at the moment. Like, I mean, it's insanity. And and I mean Ukrainians, everyone that is not an Irish citizen, um, needs to be cut off at six months and then just put on the the regular Just like know, everybody uh, else. You have to fight for what you want. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yes, exactly. All right, okay, thank you for that, Sarah. Appreciate it. Let me go to Nolene. Nolene, hi, how are you? Hi Anil, how are you? Good, nice to talk to you, Nolene. Now I I know you've a bit of a story that I want to hear as well, by the way. Um Elaine was yeah. telling me. So what yes, happened? Um yeah, I normally go in uh, two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I would get, I would stop off for a coffee on the way because um, I'd be in for seven. And I've always noticed there's this lady sitting there, and she sometimes she'll have a, a cupper in her hand, or sometimes she wouldn't. So I was just coming out of the shop, and I just said to her, I says, uh, would you like something to eat? And she said, yes, thank you, I'd love it. That's very good of you. So I went in and got her a little something uh, to eat, and I start to chat to her, and her name is Martina, and she's 63 years of age. She is homeless, and she was told she would get a place after six months. She's, she's been homeless two for two years, yeah, two years homeless, yeah. Two years living on the street, 63 years of age, and she's got MS. She said last night she got her feet were cut wet, so obviously pain is shooting up her leg, and it's making her very cold. But it's it. Um, I'm I'm trying to help. I've been on to a friend of mine whom you know we're just trying to find her. Maybe a stop gate. Yeah, somewhere to stay. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere to stay. But my point is, it it's 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 got to the stages that somebody like Martina, you wouldn't like your own mother. You wouldn't like your own grandmother living on the streets, and she is living on the streets with MS. And I think the government needs to have a bit of a wake-up call to see who actually needs it. And I think at this stage of the game, it, it that's broke my heart. But she called me her um, guardian angel. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I thought it was lovely. But even the lady in the shop gives her a cup of coffee or something to eat as well, from her own money as well, just, just so she has something in her stomach and some something warm. And how did, so did it, by the way, Nolene, did you find out how she ended up in that situation? I didn't, but I will. I t- I'm meeting her then on Tuesday because I said, I, I said, look, would hot water bottles help you? And she says, oh my God, she said, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Just to take the legs and just try and heat her up. Yeah. So I'll have a better conversation with her the next time because obviously I didn't want to overcrowd her. Uh, um, you know what I mean? Because wow. obviously we don't know each other, and I didn't. But want you know to what? You're so good, Nolene, for for taking the time to try to help her. But I I think the point, if everybody's listening today, is probably going to be thinking to themselves, "Well, hold on. If Nolene was Ukrainian, <laughs> she would be helped a lot more." Now that sounds awful, and I don't. I'm not casting aspersions on Ukrainian people by saying that. But you know, we seem to be looking after everybody apart from people who need it maybe even most. Exactly, exactly. And I, I just think speaking to Martina is a prime example that, you know, she's been pushed down the line. 
well, why was she being pushed down the line? That lady needs medical help. Yeah. And she should be one of the first ones on the list. And I just think, I, I just, like, I, I understand what people are saying, that um, it's got to the point now we do mean, means, need, need to means test people. Yeah, because and why would you be given money to somebody who has plenty of money, for example, who is in this country, and they have plenty of money, they can look after themselves, and yet we're handing them money, we're handing them accommodation, we're handing everything. And meanwhile, you know, Martine is out on the street, 63 years of age, in chronic pain with, with MS and no money. Exactly, exactly. And it, it's just heartbreaking. It really, really is heartbreaking. And I think I think as a society, we need just need to, to you know, as I say, go out in the streets and have a look. Mm. Stop looking at social media. Go physically out and look at your, for yourself. Like, do you remember what they were saying about the barriers and people didn't know? So I drove by and I was like, oh, my God, they are there. And they're, le-, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. people can twist social media, but if you really want to see something and you really want to see what's going on in our streets, go out and actually physically look and see what's going on. These, out these are out. the barriers up at the doll you're talking about, is it? Yeah. Are they, are they, <laughs> I, I haven't been there. I haven't been in town in about four weeks. Are they, are they still there? Jesus. And it's, 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 it's hilarious. Sorry, I just thought it was very... I mean, well, it just goes to show you the disconnect between the government and the people when they have to put barriers up between us. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it? It's very, very sad day. It's very sad. But I, I, I do think people... I think people are now realising, you know, we do have issues in Ireland and we need to start looking after our own first. And charity does begin at home. Yeah. We yeah. can only help so much. And it's to what point... If you keep throwing millions and billions, um, it'll come to a stage where you'll run out of money and then then what's going to happen? I couldn't agree with you more. Nolene, listen, thank you very much indeed. And you are that woman's guardian angel. I'm sure she'll remember you for the rest of her life. And and, and hopefully you can get as much help from your, for her as you can. And if we can do anything at all, please just send us in a WhatsApp message, Nolene, and they'll call you back if you think we can help you in any way. All right? I appreciate it. Thanks a million. All right. Take care. See you. Bye. There you go. Nolene talking about Martina, who she met, who is homeless on the streets. Uh, Luke, hi. How are you doing? Luke. Are you there? I think Yeah. Hello. Yeah. uh, yeah, Go ahead, Luke. I thought you were giving up up hope on us there. Go on. (laughs) What do you want to say, Luke? I was going to say the um, immigration thing isn't just uh, an Irish thing is it? It's it's a European wide thing. It is, yeah. But our but Ireland, the problem in Ireland is we're we're kind of super generous, you know. Yeah, so is everybody else. Well, uh, not as generous you, as we're being when it comes to accommodation, when it comes to money that we're handing out. Italy gives an island over. The UK has been generous for forty fifty years. <laughs> France has given up much of the southern south part of its country. Um, the problem in the southern part of Spain is abominable. They're climbing the fences to get in. It's madness. Mm-hmm. So what do we? So what's the answer? We all know it's madness. We all well, apart from the politicians, we all agree it's madness. The politicians haven't a clue at this stage. So what? What's the answer oh, when when politicians are not listening no, to people? No. Sorry, sir, the politicians do have a, an idea. And it is their idea that they are pushing. And what's that idea? <laughs> uh, have you heard of the clergy plan? I have. I think you were on before, Luke, and you mentioned it, didn't you? 
Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably might have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you did, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. you, you explained it the last time you were on. Yeah. You, Sorry? You, you, you believe this is a kind of European-wide plan? What, like some sort of population replacement? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Well, it, it's evident, isn't it? Well, I'm not going to deny that countries around Europe are quite welcoming of an increase in population because... For example, Ireland, only yesterday, the CSO figures came out to show that we our population, our birth rate was 7% down on last year. We're now producing less people than are dying, sadly. Um, so we're below what they call replacement level. And that goes for many yeah. countries in Europe. So politicians are concerned that in 50 years' time or 40 years' time, we'll have massive pension bills because the population are getting older and older and older. Um, so we're going to have a massive amount of older people. Already Ireland is one of the, the oldest populations in Europe, by the way. So yeah. I, I have no doubt, as Simon Coveney said, Ireland could uh, withstand a population of 10 million. We did it slowly over time. I have no doubt that there is, you know, a, a level of, yes, we need to import more younger people. Hmm. I'm not disagreeing with that. I don't believe politicians would disagree with you when, they, when you say that. So that's what Germany did as well. What's the point you're trying to make, Luke? Because you're making it very slowly. What the, point, the point I want to make is, if you have a population, a population of 10 million and you've got to pay for them for 40, 50 years, which has been happening across Europe, as we see, Ireland's a little bit behind, but it's catching up at a massive rate. If you're paying for those, then, then, then the worth of a European, native European labourer's worth is diminished. So you just think it's a kind of race to the bottom? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's to, to deny us our heritage and our rights as Western Europeans. All right. Okay. Thank you for that, Luke. Let me go to Peter. Peter, hi. How are you? Hi, Niall. How are you? Nice to talk to you, Peter. You too as well, Niall. Yeah, just a, just a couple of points. Like it's, a, it's, like, it's, a, it's like it's a huge issue. And, um, you know, I look at it from sort of the working class perspective in terms of how it's impacting uh, working class communities and how people are being ignored about their genuine legitimate concerns because it's essentially more and more people are competing for less and less resources. You see the housing disaster, homeless disaster, you see the health uh, crisis, people can't access GP care. And now on top of this, the uh, the government's plan was to, was to support a proxy war, and that's what it was in Ukraine, um, to bring uh, over probably 100,000 Ukrainians to, to Ireland. Um, and it was to support essentially Joe Biden's plan in Ukraine to push um, to, to shoot their dominance really around the world. And Ireland have just lay down and just bow down to them really over this uh, this proxy war. And we've seen the fallout economically with the with the Nord Stream explosion, uh, higher energy costs, and we've seen the other fallout with the migration disaster. Like you know, then there's no there's no rational heads actually talking about what's really how it's impacted working class people. And the, the big thing is, a number of years ago, the central bank reported that they needed up to 50,000 migrants in uh, because of, uh, even for wages, uh, to keep wages at, no. at, at well, well, there's no. Well, by the way, there's no doubt that we need to increase the population of the country because we couldn't, we couldn't sustain the reduction in population that was continuing to happen. And as I just mentioned to Luke a minute ago, we're down another 7% on last year in our birth rate, which, which means we're now below replacement level, right? That's dangerous for a country because we have an economy that has to remain afloat. And, you know, we can't have 20 years' time where everybody's over the age of 65 and, having, and getting a pension. But here's the thing what we should be doing as a country is supporting couples to have children. 
And that's not what we're doing. We should be supporting couples to get better accommodation uh, where they can provide for children. We should be pr- providing uh, childcare for childcare costs. We should be helping couples to have children, not discouraging them. We don't need to Absolutely. import. We don't need to import people or, or loads of people. If we, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with diversity and people coming to the country and working and everything else. But we don't need to do that if we can. If we can increase our own population as well. Well, migration is a good if it's integrated property. Of course, and, proper, and it's proper. Yeah, it's, proper assimilation. Proper, proper yeah. services. Like really, what the European Union should have done at the start of this is had a European wide approach to this in terms of uh, you know resources and integration and so forth as well. But they didn't Ireland because this is the real reason why Ireland did it. Because one of the reasons was uh, for labour. The second reason, cynically, for the big bosses who they separ- who they support. The se- the second reason would be because they weren't supplying weapons essentially to uh, to Ukraine. You see the erosion of our neutrality and stuff. And they probably say we're the best boys in the class. Come on into Ireland, and uh, you know you can do whatever you want. And it was a two tier refugee system, though. It's basically like you know if you're white European, you get paid an extra amount versus somebody from uh, from Syria. Like in direct provision, the, the, I think they were on Twitter. No, you are right. Road. And you know what? Ryan Tuberty kind of summed it up one it day. It is racist. Oh, no, it is. Because Ryan Tuberty said on the air, going back about a year and a half ago when this all started first, he was talking about you know the crisis and people starting to come to Ireland. It was at the very start. And I, he didn't mean to say it the way he said it. But I, when he said it, it dawned on me. And he was talking very somber and he was saying, you know, I suppose there's wars all over the world. And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, see. I'm not quoting him, right? But there's wars all over the world. He said, but the war in Ukraine, he says... We look at the people, and they're just like us. And and when I, well, when he said it, it and what, what I'm saying is, why don't you just say it? They're white, you know. What I mean? yeah, exactly. And you are right. We shouldn't be treating people differently from Africa and from Ukraine. They all should be treated the same because they're all asylum seekers. They're all refugees. They're all people looking for help. It shouldn't matter that they're white and they just happen to be from Europe or you know the European, the European geographically from Europe. That shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? But you have fairness, Noel. Like fairness is is a is a is a basic tenet of society and transparency. Like we're housing this. You see, people who are understandably irate because somebody, for instance, gets modular housing is built. Like we're dealing with people who are facing homelessness every day of the week, and and they're saying to us, like we're going to be on the streets. We're going to be in emergency accommodation. And like you know, then they're they're able. You know, at the top, at the top. Um, their top call was essentially to uh, start, you know, uh, putting a call out for homes for people. When was the call out ever put out for people who are homeless for a call out, emergency call out around the country? Yeah, when was modular? When, when were modular homes Never. ever built for people who were homeless? But Never. okay, yeah, Never. it wasn't done. And that, that's. I mean, we, we managed to fast track planning permission as well, which we couldn't do before. Uh, we were Absolutely. told that that couldn't be done. But now all of a sudden we can do it because we need it for refugees. So the point is. Every country in the world should absolutely take in refugees. Every country in the world should help people seeking international protection. But there's a limit to what you can do. Um, there's a limit to what every country can do. And as I said, we've just given them another 1.6 billion yesterday's Department of Integration because they overspent in 2023. We've set aside another 4 billion for next year. We're not that wealthy of a country. I mean, 4 billion quid, we could do a lot for the 14,000 that we already had homeless in this country. So I, I just don't get it. There has to be a point where out of the 100,000, say, Ukrainians who we think of as different, for, you know, I know, because they're from Ukraine, and, and, we, we, and 74,000 of those are still on state support and accommodation. Overall, yeah. we have 100,000 people come into this country in the last 18 months are on state support and accommodation. At what point are we going to say, you have to be treated just like everybody else? Get a job or go on the dole. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I understand, but it's been an unprecedented growth in population over the last 18, 19 months. And as I said, the genesis of this, and, the, and, the, and, the, and they should be focused on our government, who, who don't represent the people. But they, no, they've stopped representing they, the people. They don't, they don't care about the interests of people. And well, why? why Peter, why is it? Because you're, an, no intelli- you're an intelligent man. They're intelligent people. And I've said this a million times, right? Leo Varadkar, Michal Martin, you know, Simon Harris, Pascal Donahue, all these men and women who are in the doll, are intelligent people, allegedly, because they're supposed to be the cream of the crop when it comes to knowing how to do things, right? Because we voted for them, although Leo Varadkar only barely scraped his way in there. But anyway, so why are they making a decision and decisions recklessly that they know the vast majority of this people don't ag- or people in this country don't agree with? Why are they doing that? They, I'll tell you how it works, right? Basically, they serve their, their bosses in the European Union who give them the orders to what, what to do and when to do it. And basically, if they do a good enough job, like they've always done in Ireland, they get off and they move off in the number of years, they're on the gravy train, get a job in Europe. Pascal Dunahoo is now looking for a job in the IMF. Michael McGrath, possible uh, European commissioner. And Michal Mark was offered a job too, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Like, in the thing is, they need to, you need politicians who are sincere and the idea of public service. When you're serving the people, you listen to the concerns of the people and you have the policies that represent uh, the will of the majority of people. We've seen all the laws... But they're ignoring the people. The they're, 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 they're calling the people names now. It's, it's resorted to now Aon O'Reardon and Paul Murphy and the like, and they're ilk, all just calling people. Uh, those people who have concerns about immigration, they're nothing but right-wing extremists. But they won't have a debate. Like, the issue is, have, have a, have a, there should have been a national uh, discussion around this, and without any name-calling, and for people actually to get down and have a discussion in a grown-up, rational way, rather than going back to name-calling and all this nonsense. People that, they smear people not to have a debate. That's how they try. I mean, I, I, like, see people people on, I see people out on rallies. Here's another interesting one, right? If you have a protest, say in East Wall or Fairview, wherever it happens to be, or in the south side of Dublin, because there's refugees coming into your area, and they're saying they're concerned citizens, and they're walking around peacefully protesting, it's called a right-wing protest. If you have a group of people that come out in a leafy suburb who have plenty of money, and their kids have purple hair and go to college, and they walk <laughs> out and they have signs saying, all refugees are welcome, that's not a protest. That's called a rally. They even give it a different name because it sounds nicer. I mean, these lunatics who think all refugees are welcome, no matter how you know kind-hearted you happen to be and how much humanitarian feelings you have inside your bones, there's a limit to everything. But these people are not logical at all because they, well, they're just... Anti- but they live in a leafy suburb somewhere and couldn't give a shite. Well, absolutely. Look, I'm anti-racist and I believe in live and let live, but you have to have a response. This this whole, this this thing, I don't even know what it means. Like, what the hell does even this mean? Like, refugees welcome? Like, all re- no, all, refu- all refugees are welcome. But, like, the but, world but, has but, welcomed but, Ireland. But, yeah, everybody, like, people are people and people are <laughs> welcome. But, I mean, as you said, it's it's essentially a lot of people are in their privileged gla- ivory towers. And on all sides, mm. the so-called uh, left as well are in their privileged leafy ivory towers talking in like Alice in Wonderland world where everything is equal and everybody can travel where they want and you know it's oh yeah yeah we'll keep moving on and we'll see what happens we don't worry about the, the cost of working class communities but like, the facts are right the facts are that they've lost their ground in working class communities because they're not interested in the concerns of working class they're more interested but, but, but what sh- in what shocks me is, and, the, and all the yeah. woke stuff that's going on but what shocks me is we'll take Paul Murphy for example right Paul Murphy was down with the people. Sure, he was out in the right, the, what are you going to call the rights at the protests out in Jobstown going back a few years ago for the water charges. He was with the people. He was a man of the working class people. That's how he became a politician, more or less, really, because of the water charges. Yeah. That's, that was his, I always used to think he was a bit of a one-trick pony. 
Now he's a two-trick pony. So now he's switched sides. And he seems to be against what people are thinking. And anybody who's kind of working class from the inner city who thinks or has concerns about immigration, he's been calling them right wing. So, I mean, I don't know well, how it. the politicians switch sides so easily. But the, the thing is, when, when they don't address working class concerns and don't, aren't grounded in working class communities, they lose the connection with working class people. And that's the reality because they're, they're, they talk from like their sort of privileged uh, textbook, something they learned probably in university, and so, some sociology degree or something, and think like, well, we know better than the working class know. Like they know better than the work. Like that's, that's exactly, they actually would talk down. And to be honest with you, a lot, a lot of that element is very authoritarian in nature as well because they're not interested in democracy. You know, you need people who are actually interested in democracy where people have a right to say, speak out, people have freedom of expression, people uh, are entitled to their view. Like, you know, you see the draconian hate speech bill coming through. Like, where's all the huge demonstrations being called by the political classes for that? It's, there's no... Well, uh, well, like it's, well it's, I've, it's, I've been calling for it. migration <laughs> issue, genuine reasons. And again, I want to say to people who think for any one minute that I'm sort of some right-wing lunatic, I'm not. I'm all for helping people and supporting people, Ukrainians, people seeking international protection, if they're genuinely coming from a war-torn country or persecution or their life is in danger. Absolutely, there's a system whereby they can make an application for asylum. If they get refused, I'm sorry, and you get a deportation order, you have to go. We can't just be some sort of ground here for everybody who wants to come to Ireland. We don't have the money to do that. So when it comes to Ukrainians... I believe, like every other country that's doing it, that there has to be a cut-off point. Firstly, there should have been a cap put on numbers uh, until we established that we could create more accommodation. And secondly, when it comes to state supports, that should be cut off after six months. And then, just like every other citizen, you make an application for social welfare or get a job. Is that fair, Peter? Yeah, well, I think, like, you know, you have a fair system across the spectrum for people. and You can't have a two-tier refugee system or asylum system. You need a proper migration system in place. Yeah, uh, that's that's basic in any country, isn't it? Like you know, you need a proper system where people have trust in it and it's transparent. Well, we, well, we do have a system, but we're ignoring it. But it's not because the thing is, if you know, you see it, you see a system at play that is, you know, you see areas of Dublin, for instance, in Dublin city, like there's an over concentration of emergency accommodation. You see an over concentration of hostels and so forth put in into areas that already have been huge problems because of government because yeah. of policies. And as you as you rightly said, they don't essentially put these in areas where the uh, the guys in Shrewsbury Road are walking up and down and don't see a refugee centre next to them uh, yeah. because they, they're not impacted by it and they're actually benefiting from it because all their, all their, all their pals and big businesses are, are working off the, the exploitation of cheaper labour and a lot of their friends are making huge money through providing guest house accommodation and uh, like hotel accommodation. Oh, what, watch what happens this weekend. Watch what happens this weekend when you've got hundreds of people still coming into the country. And we've just been told by the Department of Integration that they're being given a tent and 137 quid a week, right? Because they've nowhere to put them. And they're telling people this. So they, now if those tents, like last time, go up around Foley Street or up around the city centre, sure, that won't be a problem. But if they go up around Shrewsbury Road, that'll be a big problem. <laughs> well, absolutely. Like, not in my, not in my backyard. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. They'll, they'll be out exactly themselves and be like... But I, I think the bigger thing is, I think it's where people have a say in a democracy. I think people have to go back to... You know, even the Irish Constitution, Article 6, would state that all the powers of the government uh, are supposed to derive uh, from the people. So all questions of national policy are derived from the people. So essentially, we're supposed to have a say in the national policy, whether it's the housing policy, whether it's the health policy. But when was the last time you or I or any of your listeners know, were asked uh, their view on, Irish, on, on, on any policy, whether it's immigration policy or any, any other housing policy or anything? Never. Okay, we'll, we'll stay there, Peter, just for a second, because I want to go to Morgan before we wrap this up as well. Morgan, hi, how are you? 
Trying on, I'm well, how are you? Good. Morgan, getting back to the original question I asked at the very start of the show was, should there be a cutoff point, even when it comes to Ukrainian refugees, as much as we want to help as many people as we can, a cutoff point where you say, get a job, or you're on the dole just like anybody else? Um, I, 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 I worried about the answer I'm going to give. Um, my view would be that they, um, Ukrainians should be, the first port of call should be to, for them to be repatriated. That's where our focus should be, uh, for to get as many of those guys back to Ukraine into their own country. The issue I have about jobs, uh, giving them jobs, um, I find that worrying because it's the government who's going to give them jobs and if we're going to have these hate uh, speech uh, laws, we're going to need an awful lot of people to uh, implement them and track us as we go about our daily business on our phones. And we're going to need a lot more guards. Um, I'm sure people have noticed that the, our mm. government have been uh, saying we need to recruit more guards, we need to recruit uh, more people for the army, for the navy, and more people to uh, in office jobs to uh, track us as we go about our daily business, talking to each other. So my concern would <laughs> be... Um, what. <laughs> Yeah, or thinking, what jobs do you plan on giving them? Um, if it's case well, the majority, the according to me, well, well, according to the, the statistics at the moment, the majority of Ukrainians who have got a job, which is not a huge percentage, are working in hospitality. Okay. Um, I wouldn't have an issue with that if they go into the private, se private sector, but I would like a caveat um, that nobody can go into a state job unless they have been resident in Ireland, uh, have citizenship and are resident in Ireland for 10 years or longer. Why, why, um, would, why would you put that caveat in there? Um, because you don't want basically people in positions of power who are not loyal to your country, who are not Irish by uh, mind, let's say it. I, I listened to a, a lady on the radio earlier um, and she said she was proud to be Irish, but she was even prouder to be an immigrant. So if your first point of call isn't that you're proud to be Irish, you should have no uh, business being in a, power of power, in a position of power in Ireland. Do you, think, do you think that people like Ukrainians, for example, should be allowed to vote? No. Until they're here for a, a period of time and become citizens. Until so they have citizenship and are here for 10 years mm. um, or longer. You can't. Um, if that's the case, well, then we have the, the crowd who are all refugees are welcome. Well, let's bring in two, two million more and then um, they run the country because they have the powers uh, okay. of... of so so your, your first part to call as far as you're concerned is repatriating people. In other words, to the safe parts of Ukraine, which is the majority, was 80% of it, you would want to see people being sent back home again. I would want to see people being sent back home again. I would like to see our people return home. I would, I, I, I'm, I'm looking around oh, yeah, me to, uh, every day at people in my uh, line of business leaving for Australia, leaving for other parts of the world. We need to do everything we can to keep our own young people here, to bring our own young people back. Uh, we are Irish, whether you want to accept it or not. Um, you may think yourself as a globalist people out there. I am Irish. I love my people. Um, I love other people, but I will put my people before I put the, the needs of other people. Um, it's that simple. We can't slit our own throats just to show the world how wonderful we are. Pete, uh, Peter, what do you think of what Morgan said? Yeah, like, you know, well, obviously he has a, a very strong case made about, like, you know, the importance of uh, stand-up for a country. And as I said, I'm very proud to be Irish, obviously, as well, like, you know, but proud to be the stand-up for working-class Irish people, not only, uh, you know, the 1% of the What, 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 what do you reckon about what he said about we should be focusing on repatriating Ukrainian people back to their country? Well, we should be looking, the first, the, the point on that, we should be looking at peace in Ukraine. And the first thing, right, I'll tell you... I, well, I couldn't agree with you more, but, but no, I, I'm stuck for time, but 80% of Ukraine is not at war. Well, exactly. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth, right? Leo, Leo big, Brackhart big has been has been has been saying, right? Is this about freedom and democracy and all this type of nonsense? And that's what they've been talking about. But even their own in Ukraine, their own ranks, like uh, Klitschko, who's the mayor of Kiev, has recently said that 
the Zelensky's regime is authoritarian. Yeah. They broke, they they banned churches, banned the political opposition. They're they're not. It's not about freedom and democracy. And last year, Boris Johnson went over, and that it was peace talks organised and, and negotiated through. Um, I think it was through Turkey at the time through an Istanbul peace agreement. That uh, Boris Johnson arrived over in Kiev and and pulled the plug out of those peace talks. And there's over five hundred thousand people have been killed on the Ukrainian side. It's horrific what's happening. Like it's absolutely horrific and devastating to people who are losing their lives. Absolutely. But as as you rightly said, um, you know, if Ireland, if they were serious about it, they'd be the first point of call would say, Well, you know, we're a neutral country, we should be standing anti war, we should be standing for peace. But the Irish government are off training Ukrainian troops, uh, weapons training, all this type of and and, and, fina- and financing weapons as well. Um I, I'm really stuck for time, lads. I need to go to Albert very quickly, just come in there at the last minute before I finish up. Albert, hi, how are you? Oh, hi, Niall. How are things? Good, Albert. What do you want to say? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I was just going to say, like, you know, the, in regards to the Ukrainians, I know we're talking about quite a lot, but, you know, if the war was over tomorrow, probably 95% of them would go back and the 5% that are here will probably just integrate into Ireland. Do you believe but 95 we, 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 No, I, I think you're delusional. If you think, it's a, if there, let's say, for example, tomorrow, they called, you know, the end of the war, just peace, right? And there was, yeah. I don't know, they, they signed an agreement. And they said the war is over. You think ninety five percent of people who are from Ukraine who are now living in Ireland are going to go back? I think you're delusional. I'd say well, I'd say I, less I than half of them will know, go back. Well, I know quite a few of them, and they just can't wait to get back. They don't really. Well, okay, some of them like it here, some of them don't. Um, but I mean, I think even if for the Irish people, if we'd left this country, like, we'd want to come back to it. So that's what they're going to do. I, my real beef with is with the um, the the other immigrants that are coming in, the illegal immigrants. The asylum seekers um, you're talking about, yeah. The asylum seekers, yeah. I mean, that's that's where the problem really lies. But, but why why do you think that's the only problem? I'm, I'm not saying it's not a problem, by the way, Albert. It right. is a problem, absolutely. Yeah. But but we've also got Ukrainian people here who are heading home on holidays, who are part, from parts of Ukraine where there's no bloody war. And and they've been here for a long time, many of them, and they're not working, and they're getting hands out, handouts from the state, state support. They're getting more than the average Irish person is getting if they're unemployed. So, I mean, that, that has to stop too. Yeah, okay, that is a problem, and I think that's because the, when the EU said let's let's take them on, remember EU is, is financing some of this as well. But not only that, I think they thought this was going to be a short term thing. Instead of that, this war could go on for quite a long time. And yeah, yeah, I think of it will be relooked. I, I think it will be relooked at because it is costing too much now to to have that amount of money paid out to people here who um, just coming here and basically sitting back and enjoying it. Okay, getting back to getting back to the asylum seekers, I agree with you. People who arrive in Ireland who have no passport or documentation should be put in a plane and straight back to where they came from. And and by the way, the airline and the airline should be fined for it as well. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that every person who arrives here um, and has no documentation, first of all, they should be turned around and put back on the same plane that they came on. And the and if you had a fifty thousand euro fine for every person that came to the to the airline or to the to the uh, boat or wherever it is, they'd be very soon stopping it because they'd make sure that when they before they got here that they had the proper visas and everything else because it's all checked at the airports before they get on. Okay. Um, the the other thing as well is when people who have a right to claim asylum, I have no issue with people claiming asylum who are people who are genuine who coming from a war torn country or lives that are in danger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If they have been declined asylum. And we need to fast track that and speed up that process and streamline that process better. If they've been um, declined asylum and given a deportation order, we shouldn't. That shouldn't be voluntary. I I think you will agree that should be something that's mandatory. I think they should be escorted to the nearest airport or wherever it happens to be and sent back to the last country they came from. 
Totally agree. And the amount of appeals that they take should also that be should stop. If they have one appeal, that's the limit. Instead of that, it's going to the, the bloody district court, the high court, the circuit court, every bloody court. Oh, yeah, it's costing millions. It, yeah. ends up, it ends up they hear 15 But, but, you, but you know as well as I do, Albert, the only people that are happy about that are the barristers and solicitors who are making a fortune out of it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and that's what they are doing. They're making a fortune out of it. So why the hell would they ever want it stopped? Now, you're absolutely right. There should be one appeal and one appeal only, which, again, should be a system fast-tracked. And if if they fail on that, I'm sorry, deportation, whatever country. And by the way, I, whatever people talk about the country of origin, if they came from England and they happen to be Algerian or they happen to be um, from Georgia or whatever it is. Um, and by the way, we should have an automatic refusal for people who come from Albania or Georgia or places where there's no war. There should be an automatic refusal. But anyway, if yeah. they come from countries like, if they're coming from London or France and they happen to be Algerian or African or whatever it happens to be, they should be returned to France or London because they're not our responsibility. They then become their responsibility. That's the rules, yeah, by the way, I mean, of the convention. We- yeah, we have no direct flights with a lot of the countries that people are coming in from, and yet they seem to be able to get in here and then lose their passport and everything else and say, oh, yeah, here, and, and, look, mm-hmm. and look for uh, the right to stay. And, and if so, by the way, if somebody passes, the, if somebody becomes an asylum seeker and they're accepted as an asylum seeker and they are genuine, we should do as much as we can to help and support people. Totally agree, yeah. Okay. All right, Albert, listen, I've run out of time, unfortunately. Peter, I've run out of time. Thank you very much indeed to everybody. I think everybody's on the same page except the government. Um... I want to read out this message I got. There's a massive shortage of labour, skilled and unskilled. Um, I, I think it's business owner Patrick sent it in. A massive shortage of labour, skilled and unskilled in Ireland at present. I would imagine the vast majority of them uh, would want to work if they got the opportunity. But either way, there is an onus on the Irish people to look for work uh, when they are unemployed. That's why they call it Job Seekers Allowance. And it seems logical that both the same opportunity and the same requirement be applied to long-term immigrants, no matter where they happen to be from, I assume. Uh, as we have a massive housing shortage, a halt should be put on all immigration. Came in a fault. And there's your tent. Sounds a bit... Uh, um, I'm not too sure. I think you misspelled that one. Anyway, it sounds wrong. Uh, the resources might be put into vetting these people here, already here. The immigrants are the innocent party in all this because regardless of their motives in coming to here, in the end, they are just trying to make a better life for themselves and their families. And that, if that's a sin... And then we are the most sinful nation on the face of the earth because we have the biggest diaspora. The government who have chosen to take the superior position that the Irish people are unworthy of consultation, consideration or even information regarding their plans for our country are completely and exclusively to blame. And no outside body, including the UN, could possibly make a viable argument for taking people from a different environment to live homelessly, homeless in Ireland. I'm sorry, but because I'm running uh, a business and it's Christmas, I can't come on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed, Patrick, the business owner. I couldn't agree with you more, by the way. Everything you said, by the way, is 100% correct. Thank you to everybody who got involved in the show. Oh, I'm sorry, I just read out some of your WhatsApp messages and text messages. If I can read out one or two. Uh, Trish says, we cannot afford any more. The government keep bringing them in. Uh, while our own are on the housing list, and the homeless uh, people on the cost of living, property tax goes up, blah, 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 blah. Michelle says the rich Ukrainians are here are milking the system while the real genuine refugees were too poor to leave their country. Three months stay, then treated like the rest of us are Irish. Uh, they can stay at home uh, when they visit. Or why? how come they can stay there and go home to visit a Warsaw current country at Christmas? Mark, uh, who says it wouldn't be humane. The government shouldn't be pandering to Ireland's full brigade by reducing benefits for people uh, fleeing war. I'm proud that we have helped the people in the U- from the Ukraine and their country is being attacked by a warmonger like Putin. Mark, you're bloody delusional. 
You can't keep helping people forever. Where are you going to get all this money, Mark? Are you going to fund it personally? And remember, by the way, Mark, the war hasn't got any worse. 80% of Ukraine is not at war. It's a massive country the size of France. The money that's being poured into that country at the moment that Zelensky is demanding. And remember again, as I said earlier on, Zelensky, before the war, there wasn't one prime minister or one um, president of any country in Europe who had a good thing to say about him. Ukraine was one of the most corrupt countries in Europe at one stage, or considered to be, certainly. And things seemingly, according to some people, haven't got usually better. A massive amount of money has gone into that country. Surely he could provide accommodation for his own people in parts of Ukraine that are not affected by war. Um, you're delusional, Mark. Absolutely delusional. If you think we should continue to pay those sort of benefits to people at an endless, in an endless situation, there has to be a cap on it or a limit to it at some point uh, where we can't continue to do that. In other words, when somebody's here for three months, you say, get a job or go on welfare just like anybody else. But we can't give you payments where we don't means test you for them. Brenda Wall says, <clears throat> we're all very quick to forget about the lockdown protests. I vaguely remember this all being predicted. Thank you to everybody who got involved in the show. Please support the show. Thank you to everybody who has supported the one particular person who donated quite a substantial amount of money to us yesterday. Thank you very much indeed. I really, really appreciate it. Um, if you want to donate to the show, you can go to our website, www.nileboylan.com. You can download the web, the podcast from there or from Spotify and all the usual places. If you want to watch the videos of all the podcasts and all the previous shows and interviews we've done, you have to subscribe on the web website. Please do that. You are supporting us. Thank you very much indeed to everybody who supports us. Thank you to everybody who gets involved in the show. And please tell a friend about the show. Until then, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 12. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. 